I'm delighted to introduce Dr. Mark Clymer and Ashley, his nurse injector, to Beautify.com's podcast series. Dr. Clymer is the medical director of Clymer Facial Plastic Surgery, which is located in Brentwood, Tennessee. He specializes exclusively in facial procedures and has more than 32 years of experience in reconstructive and cosmetic plastic surgery and non-surgical facial rejuvenation procedures. Also joining us is Ashley, a registered nurse who assists Dr. Clymer in injecting patients with a variety of facial fillers and the ever-popular Botox cosmetic. While cosmetic facial surgery is extremely popular, there has been a dramatic increase in men and women who desire to achieve their facial enhancement goals using a variety of FDA-approved dermal fillers and Botox or neurotoxins. Today, we will be learning more about these products and how to best achieve your facial rejuvenation goals. Welcome, Dr. Clymer and Ashley. Thanks, Beth. Good to to be here with you. Looking forward to this conversation. So I started off by doing some research, and I just tell you, I was amazed about how many dermal fillers are on the market. There's just so many choices. Uh, Dr. Clymer, can you walk our listeners through some of the most popular products and what they are generally used for? Sure. The products, the way I think I break them down to what the product is made of, and probably most widely used ones are the HAs called the hyaluronic acids. And the um, hyaluronic acids, it sounds, acid might sound a little bit harsh, but it, you know, vitamin C is an acid molecule. It's just HAs are a gel substance. They're human hyaluronic acids. So you know, skin testing is required. I've been doing this long enough. I can remember back when all we had was bovine collagen. We had to put a skin test on somebody's forearm and have them come back three weeks later to see if we could do any fillers for them. Uh, you know, it was 25, 30 years ago. So things have come a long ways. Uh, in that group of the, let's say the HAs, there's a couple different companies that make those. And then aside from the HAs, there are products that are more, are more calcium-based products. Uh, and then another filler is the patient's own fat. So when, when we say fillers, there are really a broad spectrum of those things. Um, Sculptra is another one that is particulate and triggers the body's collagen making system to surround these little poly, uh, molecules and create some collagen. Um, that effect is delayed because your body has to respond to it. The hyaluronic acids, the two primary players there, uh, or the ones I think probably most widely used are the Juvederm family of products and the Restylane family of products. Um, and within that family of products, um, there are you know, I tell patients, it's, yeah, as you said, Yvette, I mean, it's very confusing when people start to do their research and gosh, there's all these different kinds. There's, you know, Restylane Lift, Restylane Refine, Restylane Define, Restylane Kiss. <laughs> and so I tell patients, it may be confusing for the patient, but the advantage is it gives Ashley and myself a bigger palette. If we're, we're the artists and we're painting a beautiful photo, we're working on somebody's face. And if we have two colors, we're pretty limited in the artwork we can create, right? Two colors would be just two products. Well, now we have an array of products that have different properties in terms of their thickness, in terms of their pliability. Some are very pliable in how they're constructed. So they're best used in the lines around the mouth. Others a little thicker. And so they, they plump better for areas in, in the cheeks. 
So I tell patients, you know, to, to back up one step from all these confusing fillers, and at least with like the Restylane and Juvederm products, I tell them, think of them, they're like tomato products, right? You can go to the grocery store, there's stewed tomatoes, there's whole tomatoes, there's tomato sauce, there's tomato paste. They all have different consistencies, but at the end of the day, they're all tomatoes. And that analogy, at the end of the day, they're all HA products, hyaluronic acids. And so those different properties really allow us to tailor the treatment to the area that the patient has concerns and, and to help them meet their goals. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So actually, when you and Dr. Kleiner are talking to patients, are there certain areas of the face they're, they're most concerned about? Or what are some of the typical um, fillers that are used to address specific problems? Um, I think the most typical area that they always come to talk about, with me at least a lot of times, is they want to plump the lips a little bit and they want to look refreshed around the eyes. So, and a lot of times misconception, they think a filler can give a facelift result. And so they just want to be fill, fill, filled to get a facelift result was not the case, but you can achieve uh, facial rejuvenation, a little refresh, a little, make you look more awake and rested with fillers and dysport or Botox. Um, there's a lot of neurotoxins, a lot of brands, but they essentially do the same thing. Um, but a lot of times the area of interest with me are lips and around the eyes. Yes, I would imagine with uh, everyone likes nice, full, pouty lips. <laughs> so, Dr. Clymer, what happens when a patient comes in and fillers just aren't going to work? How do you talk to them about what perhaps is the next step to achieve their goals? Well, as to you know, continue a little bit on the theme Ashley was starting it. Many times patients come in and they're, they're not happy with their filler results that they've been trying at various places and they're just not getting to that end result or they want a result that the filler really can't achieve for them. And so there, there are two sort of fears out there, and, you know, especially with lips. They'll say, well, I'd, I'd like more full lips or a little plumping, but I don't want these huge gigantic lips. And I tell them, you do not have huge gigantic lips from having filler in your lips. You can have huge, gigantic lips from who and how much filler is placed in your lips. So it all gets back to the amount and the skill set of the injector. And so when we when I get them reoriented, well, here's what fillers do. And as Ashley said, they can achieve a non-surgical results you know, there's a term out there, the non-surgical facelift, which is really a misnomer. Facelift is a surgical operation, but non-surgical facial rejuvenation, you can camouflage the jowl that, that is uh, improving the jawline. You can do cheek filler, which keeps the eye a little further out in the mid face, which creates what, for some reason, human eye loves to see, which is the heart-shaped face or the upside-down egg kind of shaped face. And so you can give the illusion of the cheeks being higher with filler, but I, I adamantly describe to patients that fillers do not lift the cheeks up when placed there. They do not push the jowl up. Then camouflage and make them look better, sure. And if that's what the patient chooses to do, that's a good option. But then they go into it understanding what the filler is and is not doing. Mm -hmm. And my sort of buzz where I say, you know, and, and I, I take my hands, I go, look, on the one hand, Fillers fill. On the other hand, lifts lift. And then I cross my arms. I say, but they don't do the opposite. 
fillers mm -hmm. don't lift, lifts don't fill. So you really have to have a square peg, square hole mentality. And what does the patient want to achieve? You discuss those goals with them. And many times they make the diagnosis. Well, I mean, I don't like the, the sagging along my jawline. Okay, well, we lift sagging. Say, but I, I just, I seem so hollowed out and I just, my cheeks are flat. They don't have the adequate volume. So that would be a better, that then in that instance, filler would be a great option for them. So again, it's listening to the patient's concerns, educating them on what fillers do and don't do. And then also the surgical options. I never, I never talk people into anything. I don't talk them into surgery. I don't talk them out of surgery. I don't talk them into fillers, Botox, anything. But you, I, I present many times, I know someone does not want to have surgery. I said, but I'm going to tell you what the surgical solution for this so you can compare and contrast what the, the look and what the refresh look you can get from filler versus a surgical procedure. And I think that's one of the advantages, you know, having, you know, your, even, even your non-surgical care done in a surgical practice by either myself or Ashley, who's fantastic with this, is that we don't only rely on patients just coming in for filler. I mean, we want them to do what achieves their goals. And that's our job to say, well, what are your goals? Here's how they, you, you can achieve it. And that may look differently depending on where they are in recovery time and all that. But that's really what it's about. Okay. Well, I can completely understand that, you know, one size doesn't fit all. So it's great that you spend so much time educating your patients. Ashley, we talked a lot about fillers, but what can you tell us about Botox Cosmetic? And I understand there's a new product out that claims to last longer than Botox. Yeah, and there's, I feel like there's a new one coming out all the time. Um, some that have come out in the past and a lot of other people like, but I tend to shift towards some of our favorites, but there is a lot of new ones coming out that say they last longer. Personally, I haven't tried it yet, but we are in the process of trying it out and seeing if we're going to like it or not. Um, but I really like neuromodulars in the upper face just because I think it can make you look really refreshed and rested. You never want someone to look at you and say, why, you know, why are you mad? Or why, why are you so tired? Did you sleep last night? And a lot of misconception is it can make you look vastly different. I just, I don't think that's true. I think it just makes a little, sometimes you can get a little brightening to the eye. Um, you, you still have emotion in your face. A lot of people say, I don't want to look frozen. Right. Um, you can look frozen if you put it, you know, all over lower face, upper face, and just way too much. But a lot of times where we're putting it in the upper face, you still have expression in your eyes and your cheeks and your mouth. And so um, it really can go unnoticed and just... So where you feel rested and rejuvenated and it just kind of helps to brighten the face. Oh, okay. Well, I've been seeing uh, some ads on different costs. Um, how do you help educate a patient on, on the cost of the product? I mean, is there such a thing as a low cost Botox or how do you know you're getting an authentic product? I, I'll, I'll take a stab at that one uh, because the, the I, I feel pretty strongly about this. I think that, so the cost essentially boils down to the units, Botox or Dysport or these other uh, newer versions, they all boil down to the cost of the product. And in product um, terms, those are, they're described as units, okay? Mm -hmm. So most places will charge by the unit um, and they'll still be, let's say for simple math, $10 per unit. So 
if the patient comes in with $200 in hand and they say, I, I want, you know, I, here's my budget and I'm going to do, you know, at $200 and it's $10 a unit, then they're going to get 20 units. Uh, let's say that they've got $400 in hand. That's probably more realistic now that I think of the, of the numbers. But so now if it's $10 a unit, they're going to get 40 units. And for Dysport and Botox, they're a little different dosing, but that will probably treat one muscle group area. The problem is people have their budget and they say, well, but I, I want my frown lines treated, but I also want my forehead lines gone. And these, these eyes bother me. And so when you take that product, when you take that product and spread it out all over the face, they don't get much benefit. It doesn't last very long. So my analogy to patients is that, well, you know, if, if you go to the paint store, you got a room to paint, your budget is one gallon of paint, you buy one gallon, and then you, it, it, that only will do three walls and you stretch it thin and you get the room painted, but it doesn't look very good. Mm -hmm. Then that you're, you're stretching this out. So here, Ashley and I treat by the area, meaning we, it's an anatomically based muscle grouping. And so the, it's the areas that cause the frown lines or the 11s, as some people say. It's the area that cause the crow's feet and then the area that causes the forehead lines. So we most commonly do three areas in the upper face. Um, the duration of the Botox also can, or Dysport can be dose dependent. So if you have somebody who's not getting much in terms of dosing and they say, oh, this stuff's supposed to last four months and mine lasts four weeks. Well, they probably didn't yeah. get enough, right? So you can get underdosed and have it look badly and have it, um, you know, you some re real weird looks get, if you have relaxed muscle. So my analogy for patients there is that, you know, if you go, if you only want to spend X amount of dollars and have a certain number of units placed in a bunch of areas, you're, you're, you're limiting your number of units. So let's say you go to your family doctor, you're coughing violently, you've got a fever, you've got a terrible chest congestion, sinus infection. Your doctor says, you need two weeks of antibiotics, good antibiotics to kick this thing. And you say, look, I, I've not, you know, you go to the pharmacy to pick it up. I haven't met my copay deductible yet. I'm gonna get five days of antibiotics. So you take your five days, you've underdosed yourself. At a week, you're still coughing, you've got fever. Usually people don't wonder why they're still sick. They're like, well, I'm still sick because I didn't take all my antibiotics. But they underdose their Botox or Dysport and they wonder why it didn't last three, four months like it should. Or why do I have this you know, kind of Mr. Spock look? Well, because all of it was concentrated in one area and it wasn't spread out more and you didn't have the appropriate dosing. So the cost, you know, it, it can vary places. Um, I think that if people are charging by the unit and they're very upfront about how many units you're getting, then I think the cost is lower. We charge by the area, which means we are charging for the effect. And if people have a budget, they won't let them do two areas completely and fully. I said, we'll do one area, look great with the one area but don't spread it all out. And yes. so that I, I think that gets people the best longevity, the most natural looks, and they're happiest with their product. And I mean, I don't, I don't know what other people charge, but from what the reps tell us are, if you converted what we charge by the area to a per unit dose charging, right? So people mm -hmm. get a better, more long lasting effect. 
Yeah, and I would think the other component is that you're paying for the skill of the injector. I mean, you're a board-certified facial plastic surgeon, and Ashley is right there with you as a registered nurse uh, producing the results you need. So now, Ashley, I'm going to ask a question I know people ask all the time. Does it hurt? Needles in my face. How would you describe the process? Um. To be honest, it's not painless, but um, especially with uh, neurotoxins in the upper face, it's tiny little pinches. There's definitely some, I like to call it spicier areas than others. Um, around the eyes can be a little more tender than, you know, in the lower brow. Sometimes the upper, close to the hairline, those can be a little tender, but it's so quick. And it's such just like a little tiny pinch that people, I mean, if you have a real big fear of needles, we have numbing cream if you need it. But a lot of times people just want to be in and out and, you know, back to their day. So um, little tiny pinches, they're not bad. Filler can be a little more, um, a little more tender in certain areas. So we have really good numbing cream that we've really worked. Um, Dr. Clymer has really worked on compounding and changing throughout the years to get it really, really good. Um, you can do a nerve block. A lot of our patients don't really do a nerve block because we have really good numbing cream. Uh, we even have a few patients who won't use any uh, numbing cream for fillers because they're just like, eh, it's not that bad. But the lips can be tender, uh, but the numbing cream is really, really good. And you just put on for about 10 minutes and then it's really comfortable. And when can you expect to see the results? Dr. Feinberg, yeah. I just Please. want to add okay. one thing to that, that with, from the, you know, the fillers themselves, the companies now, most of the fillers all have lidocaine, mm -hmm. which is a numbing agent mixed in the filler. So as Ashley mentioned, we have a compounded numbing cream that helps with the needle stick. The filler burns a little bit at first, but that's why she and I will, will kind of work a little bit in an area, go to another area, come back, because it, it's kind of like when your dentist numbs you up and leaves the room and come back, well, then you're numb. So as people get filler placed, they become more and more numb because there is an anesthetic mixed in with the filler. See, well, that leads me to my question about longevity. If I were to get, say, fillers for facial, volumize my face or maybe contouring, what's realistic in terms of the results? Yeah, I think there is some variability. You know, in life, everything happens on a bell curve. For most of these, that bell curve is pretty tight, meaning most people fall in an area. Uh, it can vary with the filler type. It can also vary in the area of the face. For example, lips. We used to have, you know, the Juvederms and then regular, what I call regular Restylane. Um, I would tell patients, if we get you into twice a year, every six months, that's going to be pretty good. Mm -hmm. Some people are on a four-month time frame. Um, they have a new product out now called Restylane Kiss, K-Y-S-S-E. Smart marketing, huh? Yeah, it's um, I, have to, I have to be very careful. Uh, I was going to do lip filler, and I asked Ashley uh, in front of the patient, I, I said, I need uh, some Dysport and, and a kiss, <laughs> meaning I needed one syringe of kiss. And the patient looks at me like, what is going on? So, so you have to be careful with your terminology when you're asking yeah, for that problem. Yeah. But Restful and Kiss is, is more pillowy. It's great. The way they've uh, kind of, again, our tomato analogy, the way they have created this is very, very useful for lips. It's a wonderful product. And it's probably eight to 10 months, I think, by the studies? What, what are you saying, Ashley? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the studies, there's two different companies and they have different research on them. Um, there's one company that shows their filler can last up to two years. 
Um, others have only done the research up to a year. So technically, yeah, it could be in the tissue for two to two years, but the results in people wanting, you know, seeing it start to metabolize and getting less and less, and then they want like a, you know, a, a boost again, is usually like seven, eight months. Um, mm -hmm. I think also you can overfill the area. And then of course it's going to last longer because you're going to still see product there. So yes. if you're more conservative in how much filler, I think like twice a year is a great rotation by just doing little bits and keeping it really natural. Specifically the under eye area probably is the greatest longevity and people have hollows mm -hmm. and kind of under eyes. I would say people are getting um, pretty much a year out of that area. Um, areas of motion tend to not last as long. So mm -hmm. lip lines, folds in front of, you know, the corner of the mouth, because we, we kiss, we talk, we eat, we chew, and that breaks the product down. I think just mechanically breaks it down a little faster. And so the, those areas of greater motion tend to need a little more frequent touch-ups or topping, topping off. Areas don't move a lot, like at the upper cheek junction with the lower eyelid, that doesn't move that much. So about a year, I mean, probably 10 to 12 months for cheeks, you know, the out, upper outer cheek area. So depends on filler type, location. And again, that all goes back to the consultation of the patient. And once they give us their goals and we say, well, here's the best product for that. Or here's, here's my color off my, now my very wide and broad palette to paint this great picture. Mm -hmm. Then we can advise them. And in that area, this is the best filler. And here's the duration in that area for that filler. Well, that's just, you've given us a lot to think about. And I'm so thankful you took the time today. And I hope um, patients or prospective patients thinking about fillers pay attention to your recommendations. Now, thank you, Dr. Clymer and Ashley. If you would like to learn more about the services that are offered at Dr. Clymer's aesthetic practice, you may visit his website, climermd.com.